0: listening to the sermon audio from the shore church located in north vancouver for more information about the shore upcoming events or to donate you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca welcome to the shore church friends and family so good to be with you this morning welcome good morning thank you so good. I thought I was here by myself for a second. Uh, I used to, like I was saying. I used to do this with our youth group years ago. We tried this a couple of times where we put, set up the band in a completely different room, and then played. And uh, the focus would be on Christ, and that's really how we ought to be singing all the time, focusing on Jesus, constantly surrendering to Him and all the things that He has done. And so may that have been a sweet time of worship. I know, like just reflecting on those words that we just sung, so so sweet. Well, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. If you're new here, we are in the book of Hebrews uh, in chapter 2. So we're in this series. We'll be in this series for about a year uh, plus. And uh, this morning we are in chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. So let's let's stand one more time. If you're able, let's stand and then uh, let's read this scripture together and we'll unpack it over this next little bit, and then uh, head out and go celebrate Jesus some more through the waters of baptism. It says this, Hebrews 2, verse 5, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for for a little while lower than the angels, You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for a little while 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 was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of God. Well, let's pray, main stand, let's pray one more time, and then we'll jump into this sweet, sweet text. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you've uh, given us another day to fall in love with you even more than maybe we have uh, this last week past. And so I just pray, Jesus, that you continue to sanctify us, continue to grow us, continue to help us see clearly what your word is saying. And so I pray for this morning that as you talk of this sweet gift of salvation that we will surrender to you, Jesus, in new ways this week. That we will surrender to you even today more so than we did yesterday. And I pray, Jesus, and I thank you so much for your sweet grace for us, your mercy, your steadfast love. Help us see that clearly in the text that we cover this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We can grab a seat. Well, I'm not sure if you ever have owned anything before, like you've been in a, I guess, owning something, sometimes being in debt, right? Like, so have you ever owed someone something? And we probably all say, yes, I have, whether it be, man, my friend at school gave me a piece of gum or borrow, I borrowed a pencil or whatever it might be, all the way to us as adults, maybe we've had a car loan or even are sitting in a mortgage currently right now. We owe something and we get that, right? We get debt. We get owing someone something for the thing that we want possession over. I was, ta- I was thinking about this um, this week this owing this it comes with sacrifice it comes with surrender it comes with sometimes even shame or dysfunction it brings dysfunction actually between people in relationship and I was reminded of this uh, testimony I was uh, of this man that that actually spent some time in jail and I was having a great conversation with him he was telling me his story and and he was in jail for multiple years for the things that he'd done and and i i just looked at him and go man you really get owing someone something like you paid physically with your body every single morning you woke up with bars in front of you you get that your payment was being paid daily that's a big deal let me take you now to that judge. Remember that time when you were before the judge and, and he was about to sentence you and you knew full well that you were guilty of this thing that you're in jail for. But let me add something. Not a physical judge. Not a judge that only has r- power in that courtroom. But let me take you to a spiritual, all-powerful King of Kings and Lord of Lords judge that not only has power over you physically, he has power over you spiritually spiritually in the eternal realm. Now he's about to give you judgment and sitting before that kind of a judge, we all know deep in our heart that we sit guilty before him. Like there's no way around this. Like who can stand before a holy God? No one can. And at that moment, just about to give judgment on us, Jesus walks in. The beauty of Jesus and he looks at you dead square in the eyes. then he looks at the judge and he looks back at you and he looks at the judge and goes I'll pay for him I'll pay for his sin I'll take it and the judge goes do you realize it requires death yeah I'll pay for him in full That conversation continued to lead into just a sweet understanding. It is not by our works that we pay this debt off. But it's by Jesus' work. It's the beauty of salvation. It's the beautiful gift of the gospel. And this is exactly what we are talking about here in the text of Scripture that we're in. See, this man understood what paying a debt felt like. He paid deeply, physically. But he didn't understand there's no way to pay it spiritually. See, this is the freedom we have in Jesus. Chapter 1, going back into chapter 1 of Hebrews, we heard and we learned the, of the supremacy of Christ. And I'm going to say this over and over again. this The central point, the one-line central point of Hebrews is the supremacy of Jesus. And we saw that in chapter 1, right? The prophetic... The cosmic, the Levitical, and the, and the angelic, thank you. Angelic profet, uh, supremacy, right? Prophetic, cosmic, Levitical, and angelic prof, uh, supremacy. This is who Jesus is. And then when we entered into chapter 2 last week, we started to see that this, this message that was being proclaimed, this, this salvation that I had just unpacked, was the first exhortation in chapter 2, verse 1. Pay attention to what you have heard, lest you drift away from it. Lest you drift away. And we talked about what drifts, what causes us to drift away in our community groups. We we see that in the scripture all over the place of what causes us to drift. The hardness of heart. The worries of this world. The fear of our own issues and in the fear of man and fear of others there's all kinds of reasons why and i ended with the biggest root of them all is the fact that we love ourselves more than the lord and so we choose ourselves over him and today in our text i want to get it clear of what this text is saying verses five through nine as we continue to work through chapter two and to have your Bibles in front of you is really important at this time. So if you take out your phones or if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles at the back, you feel free to grab one of those and they're definitely our gift to you. But I, I want to I show you how in these this maybe five, or five verses, how fast forwarded these, these passages are, this little text. It actually takes us back to creation all the way to the cross. Like I listened to podcasts on double time. This is like quadruple time. This is going from creation to the cross in five verses. And you may not have seen it on the first read, but I wanna I wanna show it to you. So my outline this morning is subjection, the title anyways is subjection and salvation comes with sacrifice. Subjection and salvation come with sacrifice. And then we're gonna hit God, man, and Jesus. God, man, Jesus. So first, why the word subjection? Well, it seems the author is trying to get our attention about this word. If you take a look in the text, you can actually see this word in our text used four times. Once in, chapter, once in verse 5 and then three times in verse 8. This is The author is doing something to this church here. He's, he's trying to awaken us and, and find these key words is really important as you read the scripture. And subjection here is a key word in the text. And so we need to take notice of it. And so what does this word subjection mean? Well, let me give you an, ex- an example. Like we're going to have a basketball and taco night coming up soon in the end of November, which is all the kids are actually asking me about when that thing is again. Well, we've noticed from the years past, we've had a couple of these nights. And when I play against Johnny, it is really clear that Johnny is in subjection to me. I dominate Johnny, right? It's a do- like it's domination, he has no control over his body when he's up against me when we're playing one-on-one, right? There is no, there's no chance for Johnny. He's in subjection to me. That's what subjection is. It's a surrender. It's a dominion over. Secondly, salvation is a carryover from the last week. And it's a continuation carryover all the way back to chapter 1. And we see this everywhere in chapter 1. We'll hopefully point that out even more so today. But salvation is a carryover. It's a main theme, again, of this letter. The author is trying to help these individuals see the beauty of Jesus Christ and His supremacy and where we get salvation. Lastly is sacrifice. Subjection and salvation come with sacrifice. Sacrifice is how both subjection and salvation come. And we see this, right? Like subjection, whether it be me or Johnny, in the basketball analogy, it's like I have to sacrifice something in order even to subject him to the things. Right? My time, my my efforts, there is a subjection ultimately to a higher authority. And so, so is Johnny. He has to sacrifice certain things. When it comes to salvation, we get that. There is one who has sacrificed himself namely Jesus for our salvation for our freedom so both of them come with sacrifice so let's look at the first point verse 1 or verse 5 this is god all right we can see clearly in the text if you just slow down and read it you can see god man and jesus through this so verse 5 for it was not to angels that god here's our word subjected the world to come of which we are speaking see lots here there's lots here. The word for is a, is a connected word. It's, it's like the therefores. Like last week I talked about what is the therefore, therefore. Same with for, same with but and other different key words. And they're really important to take notice of. So for is pointing back to. It's pointing back to what we just read or what we preached on last week. It's the previous section. And last week, by way of reminder, we discovered that, that chapter 2 began with the exhortation of paying attention church pay attention to what you have heard and what is it that you heard you heard about salvation so pay attention to it lest you drift from it and here this is what the four is so in fact i'll argue this subjection has been planned out before time existed for the sake of god's will it's planned out like we know this if we've studied our bible the sovereign power of the lord he's outside of time so he's actually seen all of this take place he orchestrated and this is how big our God is. So let me prove it to you in the, in the verses here. God has planned all things from the beginning. Verse uh, 3 through 5 of chapter 2. So we're going back into last week a little bit. It was, that it was, as salvation was, declared by f- at first by the Lord, and it, it was, salvation was, attested to us by those who heard it. Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and give, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He's planned this thing out. For it was, salvation was, not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. Interesting text here. It's a point to the author is very excited about unpacking something that we, we started to see last week. He's excited about it. So just in this one verse, we can learn that God has authority over the world that is to come, and He has chosen salvation and the order of the world to be subjected to something, just not angels. This is what we learn from this verse 5. We have been given a a hint already, actually, in the very first message that I gave, in chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed... The heir of all things. Who's this subjection going to be to? Not to angels, but Jesus is the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. And so we're starting to get hints here and the author is pointing back to constantly that there's something bigger here going on. Last week we had an evangelism class after the, the gathering and it was, it was just a sweet time of eating pizza and talking and, and fellowshipping, but also just, to re, just to encouraging each other in this sweet gift of evangelism. And I wanted to get one main point out. And the main point here is the same thing, main point kind of the author is doing here. He wants us, and like a, in the class, I want us as a church to fall in love with the story. Fall in love with the story. If you love the story, you will tell it more often. And that's exactly what is going on here. Let's take a look at the diagram I stole and ripped from a guy uh, from last week. I was in this preaching conference, and this diagram is used, and I love diagrams. Love it. So this is, I just ripped it, and I said, I'm going to make this mine. So this is the last time I'm going to say I stole it from someone else. I'm just going to say I I made this diagram. Uh, But we see this in order from left to right. This is the story that we need to fall in love with. To be able to write out on a napkin. To be able to show, like, this is why Jesus loves you. So we have creation, and that's a long line, right? That's a long line, so it's not proportionate and then we have the manifestation the hypostatic union that was thrown out in our community group last week and everybody's kind of wide-eyed like what is this hypostatic union this is the god man this is perfectly god coming in form of man so we have god the god man jesus manifesting himself in the flesh this is him coming down to creation the th- very thing he gave and then we have his beautiful life And then if you go to 1 Corinthians, just lock it in. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great place to go to. But there's four things that Paul gives the people of first importance. First importance. To tell about his death. To tell about his burial. To tell about his resurrection. And on that resurrection line, you can add, tell about his appearing. Four things that we are called to share about in this sweet story. And in that valley is the central point of the story of the scripture. All scripture is pointing to this. Jesus' life, death, resurrection. This is what the main story is. And then he ascends after four days, 40 days of appearing to the people. And then crowned, thrown, sitting on his throne. The, the day is done. It's over. It is finished completely. And then coming back for the church. The return to come back and to to gather his church and to rule and to reign forever. This is the story of the Bible. and This is the story that we ought to fall in love with. And I'm showing you this diagram because the author, like I've said, it seems like is really pumped about this story as well. So let's read 2.5 again where it says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. Like if you read that, like I think he's, he's writing it. I don't want you to miss this for it's not the angels like he's excited about this story that he wants to tell and so the author is because he's about to drop a hammer in verse 9 like verse 9 is sweet and we'll get there so we are not to worship the angels there is someone so much greater someone so much greater so let's look at the next section the author makes a clear switch from God talking about what wasn't to be to what is to be So what wasn't to be to what is to be. And this is man, verses 6 through 8. So it has been testified somewhere, What is man, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you care for him? You made him for a little while, lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. See, the author is pointing the story back into the Old Testament. He's pointing the story, the thing in quotations there, is Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. He's reminding the church, this is what is said about you. And if you read the entire Psalm, that it goes further, it gives actually full subjection that a word it uses the word subjection in the sense of dominion to the entire animal kingdom to man and that ought to spark some things for us but let me read this text throw, keep it up there let me read it again but put god in the place of you's and let's put man in the place of him it just reads so clearly it has it has been testified somewhere what is man that you god are mindful of him man or the Son of Man, that You, God, care for Him. God, You made man for a little while lower than the angels. God, You have crowned man with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under man's feet. Really? Really? And this ought to remind us of something, right? It, it ought to take us, if we have dominion, and that Psalm 8, is taking us back to creation. That all of creation is under your dominion. Let me read Genesis 1, 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make... There's a trinity right there. You can put a little triangle over us. Let us, plural. Let us make man in our, plural, image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion. This is man. Over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over the livestock. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. He also says the same thing two verses later in verse 28 of Genesis 1. So what we're getting here, what we're seeing in our text, that Genesis 1, Psalm 8, and now Hebrews 2 is saying the same thing. We're seeing man's dominion over all of creation. To flip it, creation is to be subjected to man. See, man is given a crown. He is to be the priest under the king, Jesus. Jesus. Man is clothed with glory and honor. He is created differently. In our text, it says that God left nothing outside of man's control. This was Adam. This was the first man. Naming the animals, ruling the garden, and called to be fruitful and multiply. And has this rule, this rule of subjection continued? Well, no. No we see that right it's clear and it's clear in our text it goes there does it feel like we have all this these these things all the land and animals subjected to us no we have signs in our neighborhood that beware of the bears if we had subjection to them we would we wouldn't have signs like this see the author actually says this at the end of verse 8 saying at present so, this is a timestamp. Important to recognize these as well. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to man. Why? Has God's plan failed? Does he really not know what he's talking about? See, it wasn't the, meant to be this way. Man actually became subject to the very thing we were attracted to. We became subject to creation rather than having dominion over it because we chose ruling in the kingdom as priests. We chose fruit instead of that. Man chose a piece of fruit rather than a kingdom. And we are in the line of Adam. Adam. So man actually became subject to the very thing we are attracted to. Sin, rebellion, which led to slavery. And instead of having dominion, we became slaves to creation. We actually see some of this. The last time subjection is used is is in Hebrews 2.15. And you can see it in there. It says uh, that man is subject to lifelong slavery. And this is the original sin of Genesis 3. This is what we are now subject to. Lifelong slavery. So this is the bad portion of the story of man. The bad portion. And we see it again here, the depravity of man in verses 6-8 through in our text. But this brings us to Jesus. So we've got God, we've got man, and now we have Jesus. The hammer is being dropped in verse 9, and it's a sweet, sweet hammer. It says this, But another transitional word so we have god man now jesus but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely jesus so now we know who that hymn is talking about but we see jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of god he might taste death for everyone it's a sweet, sweet verse. See, in His grand meta narrative story, He came that we might have life. In His grand metanarrative narrative story, which is told from cover to cover, is that man failed in His calling, but Jesus fulfilled everything. See, this whole story, like I said, with a timeline. Is, it's about Jesus. It always has been about Jesus. And it forever will be about Jesus. This story is a sweet story. See, we see God's plan of creation, giving man the call of subjection, but man failed. Then Jesus, the coming snake crusher, fulfilling the call as the image bearer, as man, and also the exact imprint of God, which we see in chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read it for you it says this he is the radiance of the glory of god in the exact imprint of his nature he is the true image bearer he is the one that bears god's image perfectly so this is constantly a foreshadow back to genesis back to the garden this is what man should have done but yet we failed. but jesus does it better he is the better adam paying the penalty of sin and death, purifying us from our sin. Again, going back to chapter 1, verse 3. And taking the world under subjection to His faithful rule. All done by sacrifice. Subjection and salvation come with sacrifice. It's really important to understand that. Subjection and salvation come with sacrifice. And everything lost to Adam is now gained in Jesus in this one sweet verse. See, this story will continue as we work through Hebrews, but it's important to see it as we walk together glorifying Jesus along the way. See, in the, in the first chapter, you see all kinds of Old Testament references going back to the Psalms, and, and the author constantly pointing back to who this Jesus is, and, and pointing to about Jesus in the Old Testament it's a constant reminder and you see this going flipping back and forth to chapter one so one verse five connected to two, nine. One, five. this is the prophetic supremacy the coming savior the very son in two nine jesus is the better adam the one, one to pay the penalty of sin and death you see it flip back from one six contrasted to two five through eight our text one six is jesus is the one to be worshiped not man or angels In 2, 6-8, man was set up to rule and reign, but failed. Jesus is the fulfiller of the created order. He is the true image-bearer. So sweet. We're beginning to see all these Old Testament Scriptures being fulfilled in Christ. Look at 1, verse 7, contrasted to 2, verse 5. 1, 7, Jesus is not merely ministering to men, but fulfilling what they could not, shedding His blood for all those who believe, all things, again, subjected to Him. So, so sweet as we study and see these things pop out in the Word of God. In verse 8 of chapter 1 connected to 2.9, this is the eternal throne of Jesus by way of sacrifice and position as God. One ten contrasted to two six eight. Jesus is far greater than Adam. Not only is all creation subject to Him, He created it all. He created it all. He has per- perfect subjection So man was a creation, fell short, started worshiping creation. Jesus was the creator. All creation rightly worships him. And we ought to as well. And finally, in one thirteen in our text this morning, is everything put under the feet of Christ. Everything is put under the feet of Christ. In our text, it's under the feet of man. All things are subject to him, But now it's this man God. Little lower than angels. Meaning simply that he put on flesh. He wasn't merely heavenly. He has flesh. And when it comes to man, you see those connections, right? That they're crowned. Jesus is crowned. Man was crowned in in Psalm 8. You see glory and honor. You see Jesus, glory and honor. The reason for this is coming. The reason for this is because God put on flesh. Not lower in status of the angel, but given flesh where he could taste sin and death. This is what we are. We taste sin and death. We know what it feels like. And one day, if we live long enough, that we will all come to death. This is lower than the angel. And Jesus himself volunteered to take death for us that we might have life perfectly in him this is the beauty of the gospel this is what we are to confess this is what I prayed for for your kids that we would surrender to Jesus our true Savior that we listen and not drift away from what the word is saying that we would surrender to it that we would would have it over us rather than us over it That we would surrender to the Word daily. That we would confess the sin that's in our heart, the besetting sin, the, the things that we constantly run to for comfort rather than Christ. That we would constantly be in confession of what we are doing, knowing that we've received the beauty of salvation. We've received His death, His life, His resurrection for us. And then we receive the beauty and the mercy and the steadfast love of Jesus Christ. And then we now abide in him, running and putting off the fleshy nature and putting on the spirit. This is our call, friends. This is what this Hebrews 2, 5 through 9 is showing us. Subjection is not to angels. Man failed, but Jesus took it. Through sacrifice, that we all might live through him. This is the story of baptism, which we're going to celebrate at 2 o'clock at Ambassad as well. It's not what these individuals going to the water celebrating them, not one bit. We're celebrating Jesus, his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. And may we sing the glory and praise and honor of Jesus, our true Savior. For without Him, we are eternally lost and we stay in perpetual death and we'll punish, be punished for eternity for the sins we've committed. So my challenge to us, if you have not yet confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, I plead with you as a friend. Surrender to Him today. Surrender to Him today. It's the only way you will have life. I want to end with Hebrews 13, 14. I don't have it on the screen there, but this is a fast forward to the end of the, the letter to this little tiny church. It's a simple little tiny verse. It just says this. For here, for here we have no lasting city, but we see. The city that is to come. This is who we are. The gathered church. Seeking the city that is to come. The end of the story. When Jesus returns and comes for his people. Oh, may we praise him today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for the message of salvation. I thank you that it's not us at all. It's all about you That we cannot boast in anything. But we can boast in you. So may our hearts boast in you today. May our hearts boast in you in our worship. In our play. In our times of rest. In our times with our families. In our times with our friends. our times with our loved ones. In times with those that don't know you yet. That we will boast in you. Faithfully. And always. So help us, Lord, be steadfast, seeking to win the prize for the name and glory of your Son, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.